0: Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, WAG listeners, it's Allison reminding you that this show cannot be made without you. If you've been thinking about becoming a Canada Land supporter, we're having a pretty great sale right now. You'll get premium ad-free feeds of all Canada Land shows, discounts on merch from our store, and exclusive bonus episodes from some of our podcasts.
1: We want to make it as easy as possible for you to become a Canada Land supporter. So from now until the end of May, we have a special offer for our listeners. For $2 a month, you can become a supporter and do your part to ensure we can continue making this show. And we really like making this show for you. Basically nothing costs $2 anymore.
0: You could like get a bag of candy, a locker at a public swimming pool. I've been honestly trying to think of something that cheap and I'm not getting far.
1: So sign up for just $2 a month. For the next six months, just go to CanadaLand.com slash join or click the link in your show notes to become a supporter today. So, uh, the Ontario election, that's 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 still a thing that's happening, right, Allison?
0: It's happening. Two weeks till election day from the day we're recording this.
1: So we're back with another episode.
0: Week three of the campaign is coming to an end, and it included the second leaders debate. A primetime affair that may or may not have been a super spreader event. Now that, as we record, both NDP leader Andrea Horbath and Green leader Mike Schreiner have tested positive for COVID in the past 14 hours. This actually will likely be the biggest impact the leaders debate has on the campaign.
1: Uh- Knockout punch, as it were, which is a joke that would be less funny should someone become seriously ill. As at the time we're recording this, uh, however, neither Doug Ford nor Stephen Del Duca have tested positive. Although if Doug Ford suddenly dropped out of sight for five days, would anything really seem that amiss? Working hard.
0: I'm Alison Smith, publisher of Queen's Park Today, and I didn't attend the post-debate scrums on Monday night because I was recording The Agenda on a different floor of the TVO studios. So I am in the clear.
1: I'm Jonathan Goldsby, news editor at Candleland, and to my knowledge, I have still not had COVID, although I'm very likely jinxing myself by stating so publicly. And this is Wag the Dog. A weekly
0: podcast about the Ontario election campaign. So let's start by talking about a surprising twist in the campaign, and that's the fact that six unions have come out in support of the progressive conservatives and Doug Ford. As of yesterday, these six construction buildery unions have endorsed Ford. We got the Ontario Pipes Trade Council. We got the International Association of Sheet, Metal, Air, Rail, and Transportation Workers. Stands for SMART. International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Construction Council of Ontario. Did you know that in Australia they call uh, electricians Sparkies?
1: No, so is it like the Brotherhood of Sparkies
0: there? It must be. Layuna Sp- Sparks
1: Brothers. That's, that's, that's a band called the Sparks. Brothers. Anyway.
0: Layuna <laughs> La and the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades and a Boilermakers Union that's also a Brotherhood. Mm-hmm. This is novel in so far as The definition of novel is something that's never happened before. But if we use hindsight, uh, a lot of cards were sort of Mm -hmm. laid in certain ways over the past four years, or actually maybe a bit longer down the road, um, that made this an outcome that was possible.
1: Yeah, I mean, the construction and trades groups and councils have always leaned on the more conservative side of the labor movement. Sometimes that's meant liberal, capital L, liberal. And sometimes they believe they have talked about different ones, you know, members having been split about where they're going to put their votes between PC or NDP because they're mad at the government. So like, yeah, as Alice was saying, this is not out of nowhere. And it's
0: also happening in other conservative governments or wannabe governments like Aaron O'Toole talked about trying to get the... Like construction unions on his side, uh, he didn't really do mm-hmm. that, uh, <laughs> and whatever, he's not a leader anymore. But like, I think Donald Trump, on his like second or third day after being inaugurated, invited all the construction union leaders, who I don't think endorsed him, but invited them all to the White House as like one of his mm-hmm. first acts. So it's it's part of the conservative zeitgeist right now, and it seems like Ford has been able to actually mm-hmm. really pull it off. I think it's important to note that, like the pr- other private sector unions, like the Ontario Federation mm-hmm. of Labour, steelworkers, SEIU, healthcare, um, they all remain NDP, and so do the public servants, um, mm-hmm. OPSU, and uh, and the teachers. Are yeah, kind of, the, the teachers are going kind to of split between
1: the um, Liberals and the NDP. It's accurate to describe this as a rift in the labor movement and a significant and notable one. But I think we also have to sort of put it in. Perspective. I mean, if you were to listen to you know the questions that the you know Doug Ford and others were asked after the debates, you'd think union members or at least unions were just just totally divided and split. But just to put it in perspective, the the six the six union bodies that have endorsed the PCs as of this recording, uh, they total one hundred thirty one thousand three hundred members. You know, give or take a few thousand in Ontario. Uh, in Ontario. And of course keeping in mind that just because a union endorses a candidate or a party does not does not at all mean that their members vote as a block although you know there's yeah it definitely helps and it, there's some some unions do get more involved in this cohesion. So it's not like that's 131,300 votes for the PCs but that does represent uh, just under 8% of uh Ontario's unionized labor force. Uh compared to the NDP which you know, in terms of like the the ones that have explicitly endorsed them, QP Ontario, UFCW, US, which is uh, Food and Commercial Workers, Steelworkers, Opsu. Together, those are those are about like six hundred and sixty five thousand, so like almost forty percent. So basically, like five times as many. So like, yeah, a lot of you, some unions are breaking for the Conservatives, but like, as a portion of the unionized workforce, it is a very small one uh, compared to those who have overall come out in favor of the NDP or even compared to the Ontario Federation of Labor, which is an umbrella group that includes unions that are both endorsing the NDP and endorsing the Conservatives. But they as an umbrella group are endorsing the NDP and they represent like 60 percent of Ontario's unionized workers. So like once again, like this, it's notable, but it's not like there's some I wouldn't describe it as like a, a schism that's going to divide the labor movement forever. It's more like a slice at the the edge has been hived off.
0: Yeah, and I want to talk about why this seems to have happened at least in the Ford and the PCs case. Um, you know, if you talk to these union bosses, like they're going to say, like, why do you endorse Sword? Well, he like plans to build a lot of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Ontario's construction economy is booming right now. People in all of these trades that uh, we, we listed off in those unions at the top have a lot of work to do and they like that and the unions like that. Also, the PCs killed the Ontario College of Trades, which was a liberal era regulatory agency that a lot of people hated. They started a new version called Skilled Trades Ontario and actually a poor appointed a bunch of Builder Union guys to its board earlier this year. Mm. So even in advance of the election, you know, this was a political thing and they were getting politically rewarded. And I think, you know, lastly, Labor Minister Monty McNaughton, who's, I guess, not technically the Labor Minister right now, well, it's kind of a murky gray Mm. zone during the election. If we had a labor emergency, he'd probably still have to talk about Mm. it. (laughs) Um, But he's put a lot of effort into wooing these guys. Mm -hmm. He... Like you know, he had, some things McNaughton did had high profile, like those working for worker bills. But like he was out announcement and after announcement, honestly, a couple a week for two years about giving money to skilled trades training programs of various types, like lots and lots of that doesn't get a lot of attention in the media because it's not interesting. But Mm -hmm. like, obviously, that's something that like people like Layuna have seen and worked with and helped and like it's just made them happy. I think also I talked to somebody um, in the labor world who kind of knows the landscape of all this. And he said these builder unions have spotted a chance to be at, like, the top of the labor pecking order in Ontario if the PCs are reelected. And, like, for a long time, they weren't. They were, like, somewhere in the mix and middle. Like, you know, the International Brotherhood of Boilermakers wasn't making or breaking mm-hmm. elections. Um, just boilers. Just boilers. <laughs> um, but, you know, if the Ford gets reelected, which he probably will, and has all these guys in his camp, they're going to get a lot more of what they want. So... I think it's probably, I mean, it's as much a political decision, obviously. I mean, endorsing the yeah. politician is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, necessarily. I mean, it's also not surprising that people who build things would be in favor of the party that supports largely unregulated building of things. Mm-hmm. Whether it's, you know, paving over farmland to build a highway, which presumably takes a lot of people to do, or just, you know... Build shit, whatever, <laughs> anywhere. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not surprising that they'd they'd back that. Like, you know, for a, a government, you know, who considers the primary solution to the housing crisis just build more houses, which is I mean, once again part of the solution. But um, it, it's not surprising that they'd be in favor of this, you know, build shit first strategy. Much as I assume, at least some. Trade's councils or whatever in the United States were in favor of building a wall along the Mexico border. Presumably, that takes a lot of would take a lot of people to build, if such a thing were gotta buildable. Level
0: the gravel. You gotta <laughs> pour that that cement. Stick in the beams. Um, I mean, I guess the question is, will this mixing uh, with organized labor moderate Ford at all in a second term, or like has it already? Maybe in the lead up, like. If you are hanging out with union bosses, be they even ones that are more aligned with management than, like, nurses, they still speak the language. And these union leaders, like even Layuna, that's, like, endorsing Ford, will continue to speak out against Bill 124, which is the PC's bill that limits uh, public sector salary raises to 1% a year. So, like, they still are, you know, labor types at heart to some degree.
1: Yeah, mm. but, I mean, the conservatives are pretty good generally at... Wooing a particular constituency, getting the support they want, then not necessarily delivering. I mean, you know, what they do with the evangelicals every single election, right? Thankfully, in that case. But so, you know, maybe they'll have Ford ear. I don't expect him to listen.
0: Fair. Fair. I just want to add one more thing, because I think we'd be remiss not to talk about the Working Families Coalition, Mm. because this was basically a super PAC. I know we don't use that word in Canada, but like that's what it was of unions that spent millions of dollars on attack ads over years against Mm. the conservatives. Like they basically, you know, the the general wisdom is that they like cost Tim Hudak to elections. Um, I mean, other things went on, but like they're very, very powerful anti-conservative force in Ontario. And some of these unions that are endorsing Ford were a part of that. So I think the Working Families Coalition was the story of a lot mm. of elections. And I just think it's interesting that, you know, this comp- kind of opposite thing might be a big part of the story of this one.
1: Yeah. But once again, like presuming that they chipped into the coalition something relative to their you know respective budgets, I would expect this would not. This might fracture that coalition, but it sounds like money. These if we're talking in terms of money to run ads, something they could afford to lose. Do we talk about Del Duca and no, they're the weird gr- the weird Vendetta? Oh no. Okay. I yeah. wanna talk to Yeah.
0: Okay. And then there's one other thing in the background of all of this that's happening and it involves Launa. So Layuna's a a laborers' union.
1: Yeah. And of the ones that have endorsed Ford so far, it's uh, by far the biggest uh, mm-hmm. with eighty thousand members in Ontario.
0: Mm-hmm. So if we flash back to 2018, Kathleen Wynne is premier. Her government puts out its last spring budget before the election campaign. And buried in the budget bill is this schedule that nobody knew about, wasn't part of the budget, nobody talked about it. But it, what it did was remove all of the carpenters that were members of LaUNA and basically force them to have to go be members of the Carpenters District Council of Ontario, which is a separate carpenters union. And why that is notable is because Stephen Del Duca was the head of public affairs for that Carpenters Council for five years before running for office. And he was uh, Wynne's economic development minister at the time. So I think, the, you know, what a lot of people saw was that Del Duca had swayed. The government, you know, at the cabinet table to give his old union pals a bunch more members and, and scrap them or steal them from Layuna. And this, like, made Layuna furious. And Layuna had previously backed the liberals and they protested outside of Queen's Park, um, made a, you know, big, huge stink about it. And now they're the biggest union backing Ford. So this is as much a, like, fuck you, Del Duca, I think, in a lot of ways, or at least fuck you, liberals. Um, as it is, uh, you know, this might have been part of the thing that led Layuna down the path to really friending up the PCs the way they have.
2: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: So, there was also a debate this week. Effectively, the debate because chances are very, very good that you did not watch the one in North Bay. So, um... It's interesting the extent to which it both confirmed and subverted my expectations, which I guess is something you can say about like every single thing in the universe It's probably confirms some things and it subverts others. <laughs> um, but Paul Wells has, you know, the the longtime McLean's columnist, who's no longer a Maclean's columnist, but he has you know, his rules of politics, which he set out in 2009. They're not great, but they're, they're really interesting ideas, but they do capture a lot of Canadian politics. And uh, one of Paul Wells' rules of Canadian politics is the candidate in the best mood wins. That's certainly not always true, but that certainly seemed to be the operating principle for PC leader Doug Ford, NDP leader Andrea Horvath, and Liberal leader Steve Nolduka at the debate, where instead of channeling anger and frustration as they Typically, do, or at least as Ford and Horvath typically do, there was definitely seemed to be a very studied effort to come across as upbeat to the point of jubilance. And that really came across as being at odds with what they were talking about and the actual stakes at <laughs> hand. Doug Ford, in many ways, and we'll talk about this, was very much. Doug Ford, saying all the usual Doug Ford things, but with a smile. And your Horvath. I like when they, sorry
0: to interrupt, like they would do like a split screen when someone was yelling at Ford and you'd have to watch him like sit there and like respond. And he just like (laughs) watching him kind of try to keep a smile on his face while he was getting yelled at was, for one, it like you could tell that he was mad underneath it. But like he still just had this kind of weird little grin on. And I found that entertaining.
1: Oh, yeah. Um. We actually, maybe we can start at the, uh, to demonstrate, we can start at the end. Hi, Mr. Ford. Hi. Uh, You didn't tonight launch any big, uh, you didn't take the bait from your opponents. You didn't launch any big attacks. What happened to the old Doug Ford? Is he Was he too harsh? Was he
2: too, too yeah, divisive? You know, some, I, I don't feel I need to land any taxes. People are going to have a clear choice. You have three parties that want to jack up your taxes, want to raise gas prices. So they want an additional carbon tax. Uh, they want to bring back the license plate stickers and the tolls. I don't.
1: That was from the media availability afterwards. But Doug Ford is saying basically the exact same things he would have previously said with like an apocalyptic fervor uh, and instead saying it almost in a jolly manner Mm -hmm. (laughs) and saying like, well, I don't need to have any attacks. Those fuckers did it to themselves. Like, it's just, you know. (laughs) You
0: bastards destroyed the province. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: It's it's like, I'm not attacking. It's just and then launches into an attack. But because it's done with a smile, it doesn't come across as such and certainly didn't to this particular reporter who asked about that. So I found that really, really interesting. And then on the other side of things, your Horvath also approached the debate with an oddly upbeat mood, or at least with um, a demeanor that didn't fully match the gravity of what was being discussed. And what
2: was at stake? You've made an allegation against her. We have to let her <laughs> respond to it. Go ahead. Well, I think Mr. Ford just has a
0: penchant for making stuff up again. Uh, that's him. what he does over and over and over. <laughs> but long. this is the premier that uh, that basically had a tantrum and tore out EV charging stations when he first took office. He tore up green energy contracts when he took office.
1: I mean, once again, this could be spoken with frustration, with annoyance, with anger. Instead, it says like you're making stuff up again, which is, I mean, it sounds like she is doing an even more weirdly upbeat version of the song that opens Act Two of the Book of Mormon. But it it didn't. I mean, I assume they've they've all done polling that shows that this is what people want or this is what people are most likely to respond to. And yes, it's true that. A positive message. People are definitely more likely to vote for things rather than against things. That tends to be
0: party of yes, party of it no. Tends to, exactly.
1: It t- tends to be it tends to be a much stronger message. But I think for all the people who have been frustrated and angry, and occasionally at like least lost occasionally their
0: family members, yeah,
1: and at least occasionally despairing over the wild incompetence and poor decision making of the Doug Ford government. Where did they have to park their vote? Who is channeling that? And that's, I mean, where Mike Schreiner came in, which is not to say this is like an endorsement of Mike Schreiner, but he was, it it was kind of, it was notable for how different his approach was to this debate than those of the other three leaders. Have you looked somebody in the eye who lost a loved one in long-term care and explained to them that $171 million of money drained out of our long-term care system into the private pockets of shareholders at a time when people were scrambling for ppe when seniors were trying to get access to vaccines when psws were desperate to have a little bit of support to care for people and save their lives we are better than this as a province we can put people and care before profits i mean as the Globe's Oliver Moore remarked on Twitter, you know, Shriner's indignation feels real. What's remarkable is that that's notable at all. Like that sh- that shouldn't be. You'd expect indignation or sincere indignation, or at least sincere sounding indignation, would reasonably be the baseline for debating an incumbent premier, especially Doug Fucking Ford. And yet it was so uncommon uh, at this debate as to have been quite notable.
0: I agree. I thought uh, I thought Triner was awesome. I mean, I've been trying to think through the Andrea Horvath of it all. Mm -hmm. Um, For one, I know that she has been criticized a lot since the like midway through the pandemic, at least of all she's doing is complaining like she just wanted things to be closed forever. Like these are the kind of criticisms against her and the and Ford and the PCs would say this in question period too, right? Like you're the party of no is the simple one but like all you do, it's so easy for you to be on the sidelines and complain about everything. Like you should see how hard we're working. All you do is complain and vote against everything. And I mean, I guess that's a typical you know, attack against an opposition party. But I do think there is something to the fact that she's the only woman in this campaign and we're Mm. not... There's no conversation about that, which, I mean, in some ways is fine. Like, we don't have to make everything about gender and I don't generally want to. But, like, when Kathleen Wynne was running, there was a lot of talk about it. She was the first female premier. She was the first um, lesbian premier. But, like, with Horvath, for some reason, that isn't part of the conversation. I don't necessarily... Again, I don't really necessarily have to say that it is, but I think the fact yeah you know, she doesn't get a lot of credit, you know, the main things that people say about her is oh, it's her first uh, fourth election, you know, she acts weird in various ways, but like she is still the subject of Sexism in the same way that Kathleen Wynne was, and like that we were so proud of a province that Kathleen Wynne's, um, you know, queer identity didn't become an attack in the in the twenty fourteen election. I don't know. I just think the fact that like we're not acknowledging that like we actually are probably being sexist against Andrea Horvath as a people, um, and that that does play into it in one way, shape, or form. I don't know. I just
1: feel like it's worth the gender. Related dynamic was definitely much more explicit with Kathleen Wynne, um, at least partly because she was the incumbent premier. The misogyny was definitely much more direct and I mean, apparent. For,
0: Ford said that Horvath sounded like nails on a chalkboard not that long ago. Mm-hmm. That's explicit as you can get.
1: Yeah, but I mean, yeah, no, I mean, the, yes, I guess. He that, didn't that's
0: say true. that on Monday night, but it's, you know,
1: mm-hmm.
0: he thinks it.
1: <laughs> but as I'm saying, I guess the official avenues of attack are less Clearly gendered, which is not to say they aren't. But I'm saying is it's. I think that's why probably why we're not discussing it is because it's not. They haven't seemed to have to resort to that yet. It's not not
0: part of the conversation yes. she's having having in de, um, campaign mm. crap.
1: Yeah, I mean and and she's I,
0: probably you know spending more time picking her outfit and not. I don't say that in like a bitches be shopping way. I mean like they have to think about that mm-hmm. more than you know Stephen Del Duca.
1: Yeah, I mean I. I did find that, so at the end, toward the end of the debate, Steve Pagan asked one of his Steve Pagan questions, which is, you know, what's something in your political past that you regret? Which is a you know good question.
0: Ford said not running for premier four years earlier, which
1: actually thought, which I mean was it was actually thought was I personally thought found interesting, which is like a Fordology perspective. But um, Horvath's answer was kind of it was, was interesting and speaks to what we've talked about before in the show.
0: My mom always taught me that uh if something goes wrong and and uh and you regret it then you then you need to learn from it. You need to figure out why you regret it, uh why it didn't go the way that you want. Uh and and then do better. Uh learn from that mistake and, and do better. And I think a lot of parents told their kids that. And so I don't think about things uh in terms of regret. I think about things in terms of opportunity to learn and to do better for people the next time.
1: Um I mean it's Good advice. It's not a direct answer to the question, but what I guess I find fascinating there is, from her perspective, what does she believe she is doing differently in the election this time? That's what I'm still. That's one of the things I'm still trying to sort of discern: is how is the, how is the the NDP approach, how is her approach different? Is it because is it by trying to be more positive and upbeat? What she said that basically describes that they're trying to learn from past mistakes, but. I must confess that 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 if there is something doing something differently, it's sufficiently subtle as to escape my my notice.
0: So one of the topics of conversation about this debate was the Mm -hmm. fact that Ford brought his binder full of notes, and that kind of got a lot of convo going. But (laughs) I actually think it maybe didn't help him very much. Like I thought it made him um, talk incredibly funny. Um, Mm -hmm. Let's listen to a clip.
2: Well, the purpose uh, of our education system, to make sure we prepare the kids for the jobs when they get out of school, jobs of the future. And we change the curriculum to make sure that we focus on financial literacy until kids can understand uh, how to create a budget, how to look at a mortgage.
0: So Doug Ford has never been a orator of the ages, but when he gives his like regular speeches and when he talks in question period, he at least uses the correct conjunctions to link together his sentences and words and like conjugates his verbs properly. But in that, maybe just play the beginning of that again, Kevin.
2: Well, the purpose uh, of our education system to make sure we prepare the kids for the jobs.
0: Obviously, you can generally understand what he's talking about. It's like and there's obviously also pressure on the debate stage like it's a, a hard environment but like it's also distracting to hear the leader of the province say the purpose of our education system to make sure we prepare the kids for the jobs, <laughs> and and we change the curriculum to make sure that we focus on financial literacy until the kids can understand how to create a budget. <laughs> mm-hmm. just, yeah, and like it's he's reading off bullet points, right? That's why, yeah, 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 right?
1: Exactly. <laughs> and it's it, but also like what are like his opening, like even his opening statement where he just basically has to report where the party's saying yes. He repeat like, maybe that's just, that's just, I mean, it's just a thing when you have notes in front of you, chances are you're going uh, repeatedly like, glance down at them. Mm-hmm. It's very noticeable. So obviously, you listeners cannot see Doug Ford, so I will, will, will do my best to describe what he is doing
2: in his opening statement.
0: Mr. Ford, please start us off.
2: Well, good evening. It's looks a pleasure down to notes. be here tonight. Looks at notes. And thank you for joining looks us, at notes. friends. I'm excited about the future of Ontario. Looks at notes. But it's up to each of us to roll up our sleeves and get it done. Looks at notes. We're the only party with a plan to cut through the excuses, etc.,
1: etc. Cetera, et cetera. Like th- this is the stuff that he, I, I'm, I'm sure, he does have off the top of his head. But he just look. He looks like we're the party saying. Yes. And like as though he just keeps, have to remind, keeps having to remind himself in case someone's not going to know just to, to trick him.
0: And now it's time for the 413, the part of the show where we rate various election related ephemera and issues on a scale from one to 413, uh, 413 being the most 413th number.
1: Exactly, and I feel like we need like a theme song, like a like a like an Azalea, like Azalea Banks two one two, but with four thirteen. That'd be the most mm, embarrassing, awesome, most embarrassing <laughs> thing ever. But I
0: you're
2: in a you're mm, in a good mm, 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 <laughs> uh, <clears throat>
1: um, That should have been their campaign song. Okay, so Elections Ontario has an app. Why do they have an app? I don't know. Probably someone thought it was a good idea. Generally speaking these days, a really good, usable mobile website is generally better to have than an app. But I downloaded it, Android version, and gave it a try. And I kind of understand why it's an app. The onboarding is a bit of a thing. You have to enter quite a bit of information. But once you have, it actually lays out your, your all of your, the, the information you need to know unique to you. In a really well-designed way, giving you your list of candidates in your riding, when and where you can vote, plotting your specific locations on a map, depending on what day you want to vote. The little tabs are open today versus early voting, election day, and uh, has your card. You can click on the scan thing and you get the the barcode for you show at the polls along with your ID. So I just want to note, I was impressed um, as someone who uses and has used other government apps like the Weather Canada app, which I use regularly, or even the COVID alert app, I must say this is really well-designed and useful, something I did not expect from uh, an actual downloadable app produced by uh, the Ontario government or an agency, an independent agency of the Ontario government. So on a scale of one to four, 13, I have probably maybe a highest rating yet, about a 387.
0: Nice. Uh, I haven't downloaded it, but maybe I will, because I don't know where I'm supposed to vote, and I would like to. Um, So I'll just echo your rating. 387? Is that what you said? Okay, great. Good Good job, Elections Ontario, because I'm... their website is weird. Like, I find parts of it very easy to find information. But then there's all this other stuff buried in there that can be really hard to find. And oh, I'm yeah. always emailing their media people being like, help me. Um, but
1: on, aren't, aren't, like, an elections agency or government website, there are only some things that are hard to find. That's pretty good.
0: Yeah. No, not bad. Go Elections Ontario. Everyone should vote. The final election issue I think we should discuss is kind of the, you know, the the uh, idea floating in the ether that Shriner did amazing in the debate. And, like... He uh, himself is saying, oh, our party has so much momentum. Like they want to try to pick up a seat in Parry Sound, Muskoka, which doesn't have an incumbent. They've also they have Diane Sachs, who is um, the former environment commissioner. She's running in one of the Toronto ridings. I don't know, maybe just the idea that there's a, a shot in hell that he'll pick up more than his own seat in Guelph. Uh, I think that one's probably in the bag for him. But what's the, the outlook for the Green Party beyond just Mike? Um from one to
1: 413. <laughs> oh, goodness. Ranking, yeah. I mean, it's, it's always mean to, to, to lump in the Green Party with election ephemera. But there is a, an ephemeral nature to the Green Party. It's sort of like the way it sort of flits in and out of consciousness depending on who the leader is and whether they can get one to three seats. And uh, there, 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 there's a nice... I mean, it's they like always a,
0: got zero before this guy.
1: But if he if he were to lose, which won't happen, if he were to lose, it would dis- just sort of disappear like a mirage. I mean, the party would still be there, but who knows when it would next get one, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Green Party beyond Mike Schreiner. I guess we're talking beyond temporally or spatially? I think just beyond his seat. Okay. How would I rate that from 1 to 413? Uh, are they running candidates in every riding? Yes. Two, two, 200. 57.
0: Hmm. That's pretty good. I'm going to go um, 125. I really think he's carrying the whole thing, but he's carrying it well. And yeah. I think it is like it's still a much more organized or, um, and growing organization than it was four or five years ago. So kudos to that. Um, yeah, I'm not reading a, their prospects, just yeah. a general idea. Yeah, yeah. Same. Um, But I did have the thought. So assuming Andrea Horvath doesn't become premier, gets dumped by her party, which is they're not so impressed with her. What if Shriner runs for the NDP leader? I mean, there's probably lots of reasons that what won't happen. But like, eh?
1: I I mean, it's an interesting idea. Um, I imagine there is a ton of bad blood between the parties that would never be over. It would not be overcome for that to happen. But as a mental exercise that I want to take a moment to think about.
0: Because he, I mean, as much as he's the green guy, he does have, like, a wide, vast swath of policies on a lot of different stuff. Like, he doesn't just focus on green stuff. He talks about labor and housing and uh, And transportation and, like, everything.
1: And they're actually, like, talk openly about defunding the Catholic school system.
0: Although he recently said he doesn't want to do that right now Uh. because... The pandemic made everything too crazy, so he just doesn't mm-hmm. want to throw any wrenches in anything.
1: Uh, that was like the, the big thing that distinguished that party from the the greens from the others in Ontario is there was the one that was willing to say like, why do we have a publicly funded Catholic school system? That's a weird quirk of history that should maybe be corrected. Um, <sighs> Mike Schreiner is NDP leader. I would say 275
0: That's high. Yeah, I would say 301. I don't hate it. They're going to have to find someone dynamic and cool. I mean, they should find <laughs> someone. They're going to have to
1: Is it weird hopefully considering... want
0: to find someone dynamic and cool.
1: Yeah, and, and Mike Schreiner fits the bill. <laughs> he does. I, 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 good, good, good for him, Mike Schreiner. You've been called dynamic and cool. That was Wag the Dog, a show about the Sparks Brothers, or in Australia, the Brotherhood of Sparkies.
0: We will keep releasing weekly episodes throughout the rest of the Ontario election campaign. Come back next Friday for the biggest, weirdest, and most interesting things to happen over the next week.
1: I'm Jonathan Goldsby, and you can find me on Twitter at Goldsby.
0: I'm Alison Smith, and you can find me on Twitter at at Today.
1: Our producer is Kevin Sexton, our managing editor is Kieran Outzorn, and our theme music is by Nathan Burley.
0: Our podcast is listener supported. Right now, Canada Land is offering a special limited time offer. $3 for three months of premium feeds for all of our shows. Just go to CanadaLand.com join.